Welcome to Hope Sabbath School, an in-depth, interactive study of the Word of God. I'm excited today, a great study, a city called confusion. Not that we want you to be confused, we want you to find your way out of any confusion, out of any darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus. So welcome to Hope Sabbath School. We're in a series, Three Cosmic Messages. Welcome to the team too. Good to be together again. And I'm always excited when we have one of our gifted team members. John's going to be leading our study today. And it's an inspiration, I hope, to you. We have actually 12 team teachers during this series. And we want to challenge you to become a teacher in your area. You can go to our website, hopetv.org slash hopess and download the same outline that John will be using and that we all have in our study today. And you could start a class in your area. We want to encourage you to do that. Well, I also want to remember some remotes who are joining us. Jason, good to see Jason again. We're glad you're here. And let's see who else we have. Shana, good to have you back. Always good to have you as one of our remote. And Trisha Lee, great to see you too. We're glad that you are here as well because you're part of our study. We get emails saying, Derek, the teacher asked a question, I raised my hand. That's great. We want you to feel totally engaged with us. I want to read a few emails uh, from Hope Sabbath School members around the world. And I just want to invite you to write to us. You say, Derek, uh, really? Yes, we're encouraged when you share how the Word of God is blessing your life, blessing your family. Maybe you're even starting to teach an in-depth, interactive study of the Word of God in your community. Write to us at sshope at hopetv.org. We'd love to hear what God is doing. Thank you, Vincent, for writing from Kenya. Vincent writes and says, I'm writing to inform you that the Lord has been good to me through Hope Sabbath School. Amen. That makes it all worthwhile, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. I am now a Bible teacher in my local church. May God bless each member of the Hope Sabbath School team. Say hi to everyone. Well, give Vincent a wave there in Kenya. We're glad you're part of our Hope Sabbath School family. Vincent, thanks for writing to us. Here's a note, short note, from Matthews in Zambia. A lot of Hope Sabbath School members in Zambia. And Matthew says, continue mentoring and inspiring many souls to the four corners of the earth. (laughs) Well, we do have about 200 countries using our app. So that's quite a few corners. I am also a Sabbath school facilitator at my local church. So it's great that we're inspiring others to share the word of God writing to us from Zambia. Thank you, Matthews, for your note. Here's a note from a donor couple in Ohio in the United States, and they write and say, Hello, Hope Sabbath School team. Hello. Got the wave. We look forward to your weekly program, the interactive study of the Word of God as you bring the Bible truths to life. Thank you for your insights as you allow the Holy Spirit to guide your discussions and each one of your hearts. Please accept this gift as a small token of our appreciation. We will continue to lift the team up in our prayers and a donation of $200 to bless the ministry, the evangelistic media ministry of Hope Sabbath School. Thank you, donor team. You know who you are, donor couple. But thanks to each one of you. 
We are a donor-supported ministry, and your partnership makes a difference. In fact, it's also a blessing because we're part of a great miracle of God. You can go to our website, hopetv.org slash hopess. Just click on the yellow donate button and be a part of what God is doing, preparing people for the coming of Jesus. Thank you for doing that. One last note from George in the United States of America. And George says, thanks so much for such stimulating discussions each week. What a wonderful book the Bible is. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> I am now 89 years old, wow. writes George, and I look forward to seeing all the young people each week contributing as they do. So the beautiful thing about our team, you're not only inspiring young adults, like John teaching today, you're inspiring people of every generation, right? Mm -hmm. Including George, 89. He says, also allowing team members to lead the class on some occasions. Well, that's what's happening today. Yep. Thanks also to Bodil for this quarter scripture song. Mm -hmm. Well, George, he appreciates everybody. <laughs> You are always in my prayers and my regular donations. God bless you all in your ministry. Well, an 89 years young, George, thanks for writing to us from here in the U.S. And thanks for being part of our Hope Sabbath School family. By the way, I hope you've downloaded that free gift, have you? Someone said I've already started reading it. It's called Three Cosmic Messages, an amazing book by Pastor Mark Finley, international speaker, a friend of Hope Channel. You've probably seen his presentations. And Heart Books are making a digital copy of the book, Three Cosmic Messages, available to you absolutely free because you're part of our Hope Sabbath School family. Just go to our website, hopetv.org slash hopess, click on the free gift button in the middle of the screen, and you'll be able to access a free digital copy. Don't miss this opportunity. And thanks again to Pastor Mark Finley and Heart Books for making that gift available to each one of our Hope Sabbath School family. Right now, we need the family to sing. We've had a theme song for this series from Revelation 15, 3 and 4. It's one I like. I don't know what the tune will be when we stand before the throne of God, but inspiration gives us the words in Revelation 15. Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Let's sing it together. <clears throat> Great and marvelous are your words, Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the saints, who shall not fear you, O Marvelous are your words, 
the saints. For all nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been manifested. All nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been So I have a question for you. Is it possible to smile and cry at the same time? Because I think when we're standing before the throne, John, we'll be smiling with tears running down our cheeks as we sing, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Well, why don't you lead us in prayer as we begin our study today? Thank you, Derek. Let's pray as we begin. Loving Heavenly Father, we ask you for your Holy Spirit that you've promised that through your word, you will lead us out of confusion as we study your word. Mm -hmm. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Now, from our study of scriptures, we know that we are in the last stages of the great controversy. And God has sent a special message to this last stage of the great controversy, and that is the three angels' messages. And so far, we've looked at the first angel's message, but today and next study, we'll be looking at the second angel's message. So, Jason, if I can ask you to please read for us the second angel's message in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 8. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 8. The New King James Version says in Revelation chapter 14, verse 8, And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Thank you, Jason. So this angel says that Babylon is fallen. And if you go to Baghdad, in fact, 55 miles south of Baghdad, you will come to the ancient ruins of the city of Babylon. Now, when John was writing this, it was more than 500 years since Babylon had fallen. So how do we understand that this message, Babylon is fallen, applies to us at this stage of the great controversy? Mm. Samuel? I think uh, throughout the Bible, uh, or particularly in the book of Revelation, it uses this contrast. You know, we have New Jerusalem versus Babylon. We have Mark of the Beast versus the Seal of God. And we have pure woman versus the adulterous woman. This is all talking about symbols. And, you know, while, while New Jerusalem refers to the city of God, to the people of God, Babylon refers to those people who are part of those um, for, uh, of those spiritual um, 
religious systems which are contrary to the word of God. So that's how we understand what Babylon is. Okay, so what I'm getting from you is that this is not talking about literal Babylon. Mm -hmm. This is talking about symbolic Babylon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, the book of Revelation, it draws a lot of imagery and allusion from the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And so if we need to understand the book of Revelation, we need to go back to the Old Testament. To understand spiritual Babylon, yeah. we need to understand literal Babylon. Mm -hmm. And so let's go back to the Old Testament. Let's go all the way back to Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 10, we will see the foundation of Babylon. And if I can have uh, Travis please read that for us. In Genesis chapter 10, verses 6 to 10, where we find the roots of Babylon. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. The sons of Ham were Cush, Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush were Seba, Havilah, Sabta, Rama, and Sabtaka, and the sons of Rama were Sheba and Dedan. Cush begot Nimrod. He began to be mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Erech, Akkad, and Kelna in the land of Shinar. Okay, thank you, Travis. So what we see here is the roots of this nation of Babylon goes all the way back just after the flood. Uh, Noah's great-grandson, Nimrod, he builds kingdoms. And one of the first kingdoms was Babel, right? Mm -hmm. Now, Nimrod comes in the unholy line. There is a holy line in the Bible that you can trace. And there is another uh, line, which is the unholy line that you can trace. And through the lineage of Ham, Nimrod comes and he starts setting this foundation for the kingdom of Babylon, which we will see later. But what else did Nimrod want to build in the kingdom of Babylon? What does the Bible say about it? In Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, we can read that. And if I can ask Hope to please read that for us. Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. What else did Nimrod want to build? I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city, and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Thank you, Hope. 
So what else did the descendants of Ham, particularly Nimrod, want to build in the land of Shinar? And why did God interrupt that engineering that they were into? Mm. Britain. So they were building this tower to heaven. Now if we kind of go back in time and we see God's promise after the flood, he promised with a rainbow in the sky, I will never flood this earth again. Um, I will never destroy it, rather, with a flood. Um, and this is my promise. Every time it rains, you'll see a rainbow in the sky. But now you have a people that are coming together and they're making their own way of salvation. Mm. They're building this tower because they aren't trusting God. They think maybe a flood will come again. We need to make a way of escape. So they start building this tower towards heaven in complete opposition to what God promised. Uh, they're trusting in self rather than trusting in the Lord. Okay, Sabina? And I would also add to what Bethany, Brittany is sharing that, you know, God just after the flood had requested them to populate the earth. Mm -hmm. So God's plan and intent for this new generation that was coming out of Noah was for them to spread around and be blessings to all the earth. And instead of that, just as Brittany was sharing, they wanted to accumulate, congregate just among themselves, potentially because they were afraid that another flood or disaster could happen and they just wanted to find ways to protect themselves. But here we see that what they were doing was in direct opposition to God's intent. Okay, so there was rebellion that was happening and yep. there was uh, self-confidence or looking unto themselves for salvation, like Brittany said, Travis and then Samuel. So we're just thinking, you know, we just read in the Bible text where it said, let us make a name for, their, for ourselves. The implication is God wanted them to make a name for him. <laughs> because, and, and this is a direct rebellion. Wait a second, we're not going to make, we're not going to go and make God's name great. We're going to make our name great. And that was going to be my point too. <laughs> but, you know, inherent within this term that let us make a name for ourselves is this issue of pride, mm -hmm. which is at the foundation of every rebellion. And that is what we find here. Okay, too. so the issue of pride, rebellion, and it's interesting where the issue of pride really started from, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Now, you know, we find there that uh, this text says, thrice the word come is used. Mm. The first two times it is, you know, come, let's make bricks. And then come, let's, uh, you know, make a tower. And then we find God telling, you know, come, let us go down and confuse the language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so while, yes, the, to a certain extent, God did allow them to do what they did, God had to intervene. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what does that word, Babel, mean? What does that word, Babel, mean? Mm. Brittany. In Hebrew, it means confusion, and uh, in English, we kind of use this term for babies as they're learning to talk. We say that they're babbling, right? Um, they're not making real words yet. They're making a string of sounds, um, and if you were listening to them, you wouldn't know what they were saying uh, because they're just learning to talk. Uh, but here, the word confusion in the Hebrew. Okay, so from the Hebrew, we get the word confusion for Babel. Now, I'm Pastor. not an expert in, in these languages of the Near East, but I understand in Akkadian, it means gate of God. Yep. So, so this, is, this is like Travis said, it's, it's a religious rebellion. Yes. It's saying we're going to make our own way to God. We're going mm. to disobey the command to, to disperse 
yeah. we're going to be we're going to make a name for ourselves. So mm -hmm. that is the root. I think that's really helpful mm -hmm. as we go on, go on later to Revelation. Yes. That the, the root is: Am I trusting in myself and my own power, mm -hmm. or am I being obedient to to God? Yes, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. So confusion, and then it also means gateway of God, gateway of gods, or the port of God. Mm -hmm. uh, Travis. I just wanted to make one more point before we move forward in the study, and that is, we read earlier that it says Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord. He wasn't a bow and arrow hunter going in and uh, harvesting um, deer and things like this. When it says he was a mighty hunter for the Lord, he was in direct opposition. He was literally hunting the God's people, mm -hmm. in a sense. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that he was a hunter like Esau was a hunter. He was in direct opposition and was, was actually would be, we could even say, involved in, in, um, in the destruction of God's people. Mm -hmm. Yep, there is certainly the tension between this holy line and an unholy line, and there is that rebellion. You know, archaeologists have uh, excavated uh, southern Mesopotamia, where uh, this is where the Tower of Babel was being built, and they discovered temples that were built like towers to the different gods of the Babylonians. Mm. And so it's very interesting that they are building this tower as an act of rebellion and worship to false gods, right? Mm. Now, but praise God, he intervened. You know, mm. God is a God of intervention, and we see that throughout the history of Babylon, actually. <laughs> so after God intervened, did Babylon stop or did it grow? Where, when else do we see Babylon again, mm. if at all we see? Brittany. We see Babylon again in the story of Daniel uh, when Nebuchadnezzar and his, his men go and attack Jerusalem and take many of the people captive. Uh, and Jerusalem is destroyed um, and now God's people are captives in Babylon. Okay, so uh, let's actually go to uh, Daniel chapter 1. If I can have Trisha Lee please read to us Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1. We're looking at uh, you know, when after God intervened the Tower of Babel, you know, did Babylon rise up again? Or did that end there, the Tower of Babel? Reading from the New King James Version. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Okay, thank you, Trisha Lee. And so we find here two groups of people. That is Babylon... Uh, you know, whose foundation is really rebellion and false worship. And then we see Jerusalem. That is where God's people were there. That is where the temple was. Mm -hmm. And so right in the beginning of Daniel, we see a great controversy that we've been talking about all this while. But has Babylon repented at all? Or did the elements of rebellion and idol worship continue in Babylon? Mm -hmm. Let's read a few verses. If I can have Samuel please read to us from Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. 
Okay, thank you, Samuel. So we see here there were magicians and conjurers or sorcerers being involved with the elite of Babylon. Let's read another passage. Uh, if I can have Zandali, please read to us from Daniel chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Daniel chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version, Daniel chapter 5, verse uh, 1 to 4. Belshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lords, his wife and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver and iron, wood and stone. All right. Mm. Thank you, Zandali. So we find here once again that, uh, you know, they are using the temple vessels from Jerusalem, mm -hmm. but they're praising the gods of gold and silver. And so we see idolatry that continues to uh, be in Babylon. Let's read a couple of verses in the book of Jeremiah. John, I think yes. it's worse than, than, than idolatry, isn't it? It's yeah. blasphemy, blasphemy. Yeah. against the God of heaven. It's yep. deliberate defilement yes. of the things that God had called holy. Yes, yeah. yes. So, you know, our main focus is trying to understand Babylon and so we have gone to the Old Testament to understand spiritual Babylon. Yep. And so along this journey, we've understood that Babylon is a place of false worship. Mm -hmm. Babylon is a place of rebellion. And then Babylon is a place where they uh, desecrated God's worship, right? Mm -hmm. Desecrated God's worship. Samuel. And one more thing that I find here is that they take the sacred vessels which were dedicated to God and use them for common purposes. Mm -hmm. And that principle of taking the sacred and making it common and make, taking the common and making it sacred mm. runs throughout even spiritual Babylon. Mm -hmm. Yes, very well said. You know, these are different characteristics that we ought to understand so we can understand what spiritual Babylon stands for. If I can have Jason please read to us from Jeremiah chapter 51, verses 17 and 47. Jeremiah 51, verses 17 and 47. All right, the New King James Version says in Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 17, Everyone is dull-hearted without knowledge. Every metalsmith is put to shame by the carved image, for his molded image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. And then, verse 47 says, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, that I will bring judgment on the carved images of Babylon. Her whole land shall be ashamed, and all her slain shall fall in her midst. Thank you, Jason. So we find here that Babylon continued to be a land of idols, and God says that there is no breath in them. He's saying the gods that you worship, they are not the living gods. They're, they don't even have the breath that you have in your own self. And God is saying that I will punish uh, the people in Babylon for their idol worship. Yeah. But was there hope for people in Babylon? Mm. 
Did God use witnesses in Babylon? And who are those witnesses? And how did they witness? Hope. I remember Daniel and then his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it seemed like it was probably a very scary time for them just to be taken from their home and from all that they knew. But through that experience, they still maintained their faith and they were able to shine as lights in a place that may have never had a clear presentation of God. Yep. Mm-hmm. Isn't it amazing, John, that they were probably about Hope's age? Yes. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were in their late teens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel were their names. And yet God raised them up as a witness. And I think that's really important too as we look at Revelation. Yes. Because God has his people in the city of confusion that he's going to call to to know the true God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, God loves the people in Babylon. That's right. And that is why he, part of the reason, that is why he allowed the captivity. So at least in this situation, they will be, the Hebrews will be a people to the foreign nations and a witness to the foreign nations. And so God loves people in Babylon and is trying to give them chances. Harold, Travis, and then Sabina. Yes, and uh, we can't forget that even Nebuchadnezzar in chapter, Daniel chapter 4, he actually testified about the God of heaven and the God of Daniel that he actually believes. Mm -hmm. So we can even with surety say that he even accepted salvation. Mm -hmm. And it's sad though that Belshazzar, which I believe was kind of like a grandson of sorts, didn't like learn from that his example. Mm -hmm. So there was hope, but... um, Unfortunately, everybody has to make their choices. Yes. Travis? I was just going to agree with um, Harold and cast my vote for Nebuchadnezzar (laughs) as being a huge witness. Yes. God just didn't save Nebuchadnezzar. He was the the king of the then known world. Mm -hmm. And he makes this proclamation. If you know, read in in, uh, in Daniel chapter 4. Beautiful. I mean, so what a witness he was. But I know Daniel goes on. He doesn't give us just a view into old Babylon, but he gives us a view into spiritual Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar didn't do that. So we have that testimony today. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen. Sabina? John, I just wanted to note that just as we are observing a sort of attitude that was present in Babylon that includes idolatry, that includes, you know, direct prof- profanity, uh, the heart of Daniel was very much the opposite of that. Not only with what he was announcing, maybe, but most likely from what we see in Scripture, his main testimony was the way he was living. Mm. So he chose to obey God. And this was the most important thing he was doing there, mm-hmm. was being obedient mm. in a generation of people who were scandalously disobeying God. Mm. So for me, that speaks volume. And even, yeah. you know, I can bring that to my life for reflections that sometimes what it takes for us to make a difference in certain spaces is primarily being obedient and submissive to God. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. all around we look and what people are doing is the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, we praise God for Daniel's example. Mm-hmm. You know, throughout Babylon's history, we see God intervening. He intervened in the, ta- the Tower of Babel. He intervenes through Daniel, and then he finally intervenes through the Medo-Persians. There are different ways that God uh, is intervening in people's lives. And there may be people watching right now, and maybe you've been worshiping false gods, you've been worshiping idols, but maybe like Daniel, someone has been witnessing to you, and you're being persuaded, and the Holy Spirit is asking you to give yourself to the true God of heaven. 
Mm. Write to us by going to hopetv.org slash hopess, and we would like to contact you and lead you in the right direction to the true God of heaven. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you're searching and want to know about the true God of heaven. We will be glad to contact you if you get in touch with us. But let's go to Revelation chapter uh, 17, and, where, and there we are going to discover about spiritual Babylon. And now that we've learned a good amount uh, from literal Babylon, we are going to talk about spiritual Babylon. Now, if I can have someone read from Revelation chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. Revelation chapter 17, from 1 through 6, Brittany. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Revelation chapter 17, verse 1 says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Okay. Now, along with John, we marvel with great amazement because of the language used to describe. Pretty strong language talking about Babylon. You know, in Bible prophecy, there is a principle of interpretation yeah. where, called recapitulation or repeat and enlarge. In Daniel chapter, or rather Revelation chapter 14 and verse 8, we saw that he's talking about the fall of Babylon. And fall of Babylon is once again repeated and enlarged in chapters 17 and 18 of Revelation. Now, why is God calling the false religious system Babylon as a mother and a harlot? Why is that? And Jason? Well, if you look at what we saw there in Daniel 5, you have some very similar language here. Um, when you're talking about blasphemy and wine and golden cups, so clearly there's something about these behaviors that are very similar. The same behaviors we saw in Daniel 5, rebellion against God, focus on self, blasphemy, taking holy things and just using them for one's own selfish purposes. And you're seeing that again here in this, well, shall we call it spiritual Babylon? Mm -hmm. Yes, we see the same characteristics being transferred over Trishali. Yeah, the language used here saying mother of harlots, if you think about just that symbolism of a harlot, this is a, are individuals that uh, use um, relations as transactions for money, 
there's no true love. There's no real connection. It's a business. Um, sex becomes a business. It also speaks to unfaithfulness. A harlot has many lovers. And so when we think about the characteristics of this false system of worship, there is this element of unfaithfulness, not just the confusion that Jason mentioned, but there's um, also transactions, a system that particularly um, has elements of business to it, um, that salvation isn't just free. There are a lot of requirements. Um, and then as far as being the mother of harlots, that term, that this is a system that out of it has led to other types of corruption, other types of systems of unfaithfulness. Um, we, we heard also in that passage about the blood of martyrs, um, that this particular system, and you can go in history and see that there are certain uh, uh, churches or institutions that literally engaged in um, martyrdom, uh, oh, sorry, martyring and persecution. And so it's not just the confusion of it, but also these elements of the transactional nature, no real love with God, no real love relationship, and also the fact that wherever it's convenient, this church goes. Uh, whatever is a convenient um, doctrine or convenient idea, idea, it just goes and collects it all. And I think that's why that symbolism is so powerful to use to describe this particular um, system of worship. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Trisha Lee. Very well described. You know, a word that you kept repeating that this is talking about a system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is not talking about individuals. This mm -hmm. is talking about a system. Mm -hmm. And that is very important to keep in mind as we will soon identify who Babylon is talking about. Mm -hmm. And this could be some hard truth for some people. But we want to obey what the Bible says because we love God supremely mm -hmm. than anything or anyone else and lead where he takes us. Travis. I love what Trisha Lee said just because she's, she's sharing with us characteristics of the religious system. And I would encourage people who are, are watching right now to go and look at the history of the churches. I mentioned it in one of the studies before. Look at the church history of Thyatira. We have someone who's like a church that's like Jezebel, who says Jezebel said she was a prophet of God, but killed the saints of the Most High. She, gave, she was given time to repent, and she did it. She had daughters. It is remarkably almost sometimes word for word what we're seeing right here. So God just gives us confirmation that we're on the right track with identifying who this uh, religious system is. Yes, mm -hmm. Samuel. And one more, uh, one more similarity that we find between the little Babylon and the symbolic Babylon is the little Babylon was a religio-political system. Mm. Mm. You know, Babylon, you know, it had a king, but it also had this um, religion that they were enforcing. And whoever did not bow down, they were mm -hmm. persecuted, as we see in Daniel chapter 3. Yeah. This uh, system, spiritual system that we find in Revelation 17, we see this harlot women, women in Bible prophecy refer to church. This is an unfaithful church. And it says it, ha it uh, you know, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality. So there is this illicit relationship between this political and religious system. So that's another identifying mark that we find here. Okay, you brought out some important points there, Samuel. True church in the book of Revelation is identified by a chaste virgin. Mm -hmm. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 1, we see that. That is how God also referred to uh, Israel, his people, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 2, which means a harlot is a church that is false or has false traditions. And once again, this is talking about a system and not uh, just individuals. Mm -hmm. 
And second, we see that this harlot sits on many waters. Uh, in Bible prophecy, waters mean nations, tongues, and people, which means this false religious system has an international influence. And third, like Samuel pointed out, it has an illicit relationship with political leaders. Mm -hmm. And so there is an illicit relationship between this false church or false system of worship along with political power. Yep. I mean, this is some serious things, right? Mm -hmm. And then we find that this harlot makes all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication because of her influence with political powers. Mm -hmm. So every single person on this earth will be affected because of her association with political bodies. Mm -hmm. And last, we saw that this is a persecuting power. Mm -hmm. It persecutes God's people. Mm -hmm. Now, from your knowledge of prophecy, you know, is there any other passage in the Bible which talks or identifies with these characteristics? Mm -hmm. Brittany. In Daniel chapter 7, we read about the same, a lot of the same details are mentioned that identify um, who this is. Okay, so let's go to Daniel chapter 7. If I can have Shana please read to us. In Daniel chapter 7, verses 15 to 25. Sure, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to one of those who stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Those great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then I wished to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, with its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze, which devoured, broke in pieces, and trampled the residue with its feet. And the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words whose appearance was greater than his fellows. I was watching and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings, who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the first ones, and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. Okay, mm -hmm. thank you so much, uh, Shana. So what are some similarities that we see between this false church identified or symbolized by a harlot in Revelation chapter 17 and this little horn power in Daniel chapter 7? Brittany. 
I think one of the clearest ones to me is this persecution mm. of God's people who are being faithful to him. It said they persecute the saints of the Most High, and we read that in Revelation 17 as well, that this harlot um, is drunk with the blood of the saints. So we see, um, you know, going after those who are being faithful to God. Okay, so persecution is a very common element that we see between uh, Revelation chapter 17 and Daniel chapter 7. Mm -hmm. We also see blasphemy. Yeah. Blasphemy is to claim uh, to be uh, God or to, the, or to have the power to forgive sins. Mm -hmm. And second, we see that it is a religious power. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then third, we see that it has political influence. Mm -hmm. So these are some general characteristics that we see. And so by seeing that, we understand that it's talking about the same power. Mm -hmm. Now, who is this power? You know, we find in the book of Daniel chapter 7 that Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and then the dreadful beast, Rome, is represented by these different animals. But he spends much of the time talking about this dreadful beast or this fourth beast. And Daniel sees there are ten horns. Ten horns or ten nations, he says. And so there were ten nations to come out of Rome, the fourth kingdom, in Daniel chapter 7. And then he saw a little horn or another power who rises and then three other powers, you know, are being subdued. And so, and this little horn power speaks blasphemy. He persecutes God's people. And then we find, and for a specific amount of time. So which power in history has done that? And once again, before we mention exactly which power this is, this is talking about a system and not people. God loves each one of us. God died for each one of us and wants all of us to be saved. But this is a system that is substituting the truths of God, God's word. Truths that brings us salvation. Truths that brings us hope. And truths that brings us pardon and forgiveness in Christ. And so that is why the Bible talks against this system. So what system is this talking about? Samuel? No, just comparing the Bible with history, you know, it undoubtedly refers to papacy, you know, which, you know, which persecuted the people of God from history that we know. It claims to have the power to forgive. It's, uh, you know, the, the head of the papacy, you know, the Pope claims to be God on earth. And so all of these characteristics, uh, you know, it points to papacy. Mm -hmm. And it's yes. interesting, uh, and of course this is painful because this is our Christian church, right? Mm -hmm. The organized church. The reformers were faithful members of that church mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who wanted to turn the church back mm -hmm. to the Bible mm -hmm. rather than to man-made systems. And, and, and tragically, uh, many of them paid for that with their lives. Mm -hmm. yes. they, were, they were some of the martyrs yeah. who gave their lives. I think of the Waldensian Christians coming back to the Bible and, and they were massacred. So what's important though is to realize that God had a remnant yes. of faithful followers of God mm -hmm. and it is to that remnant in the end time that God calls in the fourth angel of Revelation 18, mm -hmm. come out of her, my people. Yes. So I, I, I think for many who've grown up, um, th th it's kind of bewildering to realize that that the church that should have been proclaiming the truth of God and lifting up Jesus as the only Savior become, becomes a system mm -hmm. that 
that the enemy uses to fight against the people of God. Yes, mm -hmm. and you know, it, it is very touching at times for people and emotional uh, in so many ways for people to discover this truth. Mm. And they wonder, you know, why did I not know about this for a very long time? But you know, each of us are in a Christian journey and God reveals truth to us one step at a time. Mm -hmm. And at a time when God has revealed this truth to us, you know, if we love God supremely, we ought to obey God rather than man, mm -hmm. as the disciples have mm -hmm. said. Mm -hmm. And the reason why God reveals this truth, as I said earlier, is not to push someone aside or to accuse someone. God wants to save all of us, and He doesn't want us to go in the false path of salvation. Mm -hmm. And so that is why God is identifying Babylon as a false religion. Jason. One interesting thing, uh, talking about this system, another word it was referred to as Christendom when we talked about a church-state power, and yet we saw in the literal Babylon, the King Nebuchadnezzar actually is converted, and so it's possible that there are people who've been part of this church-state system, the leaders themselves of Christendom, who could become converted uh, in this spiritual Babylon situation. Yes. Uh, you know, this little horn power is also said to, uh, you know, make changes to times and laws. What is that referring to? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Samuel? There's only one law in, in the Ten Commandments that deals with time, and mm -hmm. that is the Sabbath. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just as we talked about earlier, how, you know, in Daniel chapter 5, the king tried to take what is sacred and turn it into common and took what is common and turn into sacred. We find this power trying to take the sacred day of worship, making it common and take the common day, Sunday, and make it a sacred day of worship. Yes. Mm -hmm. Trisha Lee. I think that it could be really hard and difficult for someone to understand how a great church, a great religious body and organization could be Babylon, could be associated with all of this. And I, I love that we went back to history and I think that the we don't make the systems ourselves. The systems exist. We find ourselves a part of a system and we have a choice to make. But when we go back to the history of how you know this came to be, you find the Roman Empire, and I'm glad that you started there, you find the Roman Empire persecuting Christians. And the more they killed Christians in the big Colosseums and amphitheaters in different places, they kept springing up. They, kept, they could not squash the message. And what they decided to do was that confusing thing was let's take our pagan Roman um, culture and let's mix it with the Christianity that we can't get rid of. Let's call it something different. Let's make it look attractive. And that was how the system started. So it started from a place of confusion. It started from a place of, um, you know, mixing some truth with some error and trying to sell it and make it more palatable, more acceptable to everyone. Mm -hmm. So the system was established and then people are just born into the system or converted into the system or forced into the system. But at the point that we realize that the origins were not right and that some of those lies have persisted even till today, that we are able to now see and make a choice for ourselves. Do I want to stay a part of this system of confusion and unfaithfulness or can I follow what the Bible teaches and find a better way? Again, you or I, none of us made the system. We might find ourselves in it. But God always gives us a choice. Do we follow this or can we choose a better way? Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for those important words. Sabina. 
And you know, John, what I'm thinking is that ultimately all of us who are Christians, in some way we had to come out mm. of this confusion. Yep. So a beautiful call that we are going to see them in the same book of Revelation that we are following. I think that's where we are headed to, yes. which is in the book of Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 to 5, is that we are called to come out of whatever confusion was left after, you know, years of confusion to come to see Jesus more clearly as the Bible teaches us, right? Mm -hmm. So there is no person that cannot come to know Jesus with the same clarity that the Bible wants us to. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. Praise God. You know, the very fact that God is calling, it shows that God loves people in false religious systems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The very fact that God is calling shows that God is interested in their welfare and in their mm -hmm. salvation. Mm -hmm. So why don't we read about that call in Revelation chapter 18 verses 1 through 5. If I can have Harold, please read that for us. Sure. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And it reads, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried, out, and he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. Mm. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Mm. Okay, thank you, Harold. So, God is saying, come out. But come out to what? Let's read to Revelation chapter 7, verses 13 to 17. God is telling, come out of Babylon, but come where? Mm-hmm. Revelation chapter 7, verses 13 to 17. If I can have Brittany, please read that for us. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Revelation 7, verse 13 says, Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to the living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Praise Amen. God. Amen. So God is calling people to come out of Babylon and calling them to follow Christ who is their true shepherd. Mm -hmm. But maybe someone is thinking, you know, my grandparents or my family for a long time, you know, do not know this truth. Will they be ever saved? Mm -hmm. What can we answer to them? How can we answer to them? Will they be saved? Uh, I think according to Acts, uh, God says, 
uh, the, the days of our ignorance he winked at. Mm -hmm. So there are some of the things that God will not judge us based on our sincere ignorance and because he loves the world and he wants to save everybody. So if I totally, completely do not know, he cannot judge me based on what I do not know. Praise God. Mm -hmm. God will wink at our ignorance. And God is doing everything He can, and He will do everything He can to save each one of us. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You know, while we were in the study, I was thinking that Pastor Mark Finley, whose book we're offering as a free gift, grew up in a place of confusion. And God raised him up as a great evangelist, proclaiming the truth of God's Word. And, and I want you to get that book. Go to our website, hopetv.org slash hopess. Click on the free gift button. Uh, you'll see that God has His precious people in every nation, kindred, tongue of people. He's calling us to come out of confusion and into His marvelous light. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, thank You for Your mercy and Your grace. Thank You for Your patience. Thank You that You love all of Your children and You want us all to be with You forever. Thank You for giving us a choice to come out of confusion, to become part of Your last day movement, preparing for the coming of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Bless each one who's heard this message. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us for Hope Sabbath School. You know, it's such a beautiful message that God is not trying to keep us out of heaven. He's trying to bring us into His presence for time and for eternity. I want to invite you if you've accepted Jesus, reaffirm that. If you've never said, Jesus, call out, say, Jesus, save me so that I can be part of your eternal kingdom. Take that blessing and then go out and be a blessing to those around you. Amen.